المسلمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another lesson of Quranic progression and inshallah ta'ala today we are going to conclude the tafsir ta'ala of Surah Al-Shiqaq. So today inshallah ta'ala we complete the tafsir of this surah that we started a couple of months ago now. And this surah as you can see is an amazing surah which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala focuses particularly on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and the aspects that will take place on that day either from the way that things will change on Yawm Al-Qiyamah as we know now through the many verses in the Quran, surahs that we've taken previously, this surah as well. And the many ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ that established this principle that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, things will change. So everything changes on Yawm Al-Qiyamah in terms of the heavens and the earth and that which people are, are familiar with in terms of what they see around them, the sun and the moon and the stars and the mountains and the oceans and the seas and so on. And so Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala will change those things. But this surah also then focuses on what is the aspect that will come after that change. And that is the accounting and the judgment that will take place on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And Allah Azza wa to that effect, as we mentioned uh, in the last couple of lessons, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala takes a number of oaths to that effect. He takes a number of oaths Subh'anaHu Wa Taala to that effect so that people will know and they will understand that when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala makes a promise, it is something which must take place. The promises of Allah Azza wa are always true and they are always certain. And so in the verses that we took last week, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then asked a number of questions and we said that some of the scholars of tafsir, they said that these questions were istifham inkar or istifham ta'ajjub. Either Allah azza wa jal is rebuking those people by asking them questions or these questions, rebuking them for their disbelief, rebuking them for their rejection, not only of tawheed, but belief in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, belief in revelation, belief in yawm al-qiyam and the day of judgment. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing it or asking this question by way of amazement. Amazement at their situation, it is ta'ajjub, amazement at their situation that after all of these signs, all of these evidences, all of the revelation and the prophets and Allah, that Allah azza wa sent, all of the miracles that Allah azza wa gave to those prophets that he sent, still those people turn away, still they disbelieve, still they reject that which Allah azza wa has made clear and clarified as being true. And that's why, as we mentioned last week in the verses that we covered, verses 20, 21 and 22, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked those questions, Why don't they believe? Why is it that they still reject? Why is it that they still turn away? And Allah azza wa jal asked the second question, Why is it that when the Qur'an is recited to them, they don't prostrate? And as we said, some of the scholars of tafsir took the position that the meaning of the word sajda here is the meaning of the word sajda in the uh, initial sense of acceptance and submission rather than the physical act of prostration. And we said one leads on to the other because no one will prostrate physically to Allah Azza wa unless they have first accepted the previous or the, or, the, or the prior concept of sujood which is to al-khudu' and al-khushu' it is to humble yourself and to accept and to submit yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why as we know in the Quran in the story of Adam and Iblis Iblis doesn't accept that first promise, so he doesn't make the sajda alongside the sajda of the malaika when they prostrate before Adam by Allah Azza wa command. 
because he doesn't accept that, that concept or he doesn't accept the submission part to Allah Azza wa Jal. Had he submitted fully, then he would have submitted to the prostration and the command to prostrate as well. But when he did not do so, he didn't submit fully, he turned away and he rejected that concept also. So likewise, we have something similar here. In the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Azza wa here in Surah Al-Shiqaq is mentioning the same thing. And we said last week that this is uh, one of the uh, the um, one of the sajdas that the scholars of tafsir differed over as to whether it is a prostration or not. And we said that the position of Imam Malik was that it's not a sajda of the Quran. The position of the majority of the fuqaha is that it is. And also this is the verse that, that is also used to justify or to... Um, uh, to support the position of those scholars who said that the sajda of tilawa in the Quran it is wajib, it's an obligation, because Allah Azza wa Jal here rebukes those people who don't do so. And as we said, that's the position of Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah ta'ala, and it was the position chosen by other scholars uh, also, such as Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala. But the position of the majority, the Malikis, the Shafi'is, the Hanbalis, in what is their well known position and others, is that the sajda of tilawa is sunnah is recommended for you to make that prostration when you come across those verses but it's not an obligation and they use a number of evidences also that we mentioned and then Allah after asking these questions he gives the answer why don't they believe why don't they submit why don't they make sajda Allah says it is because of their rejection it is because of their disbelief so in today's lesson we continue from verse 23 and that is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم والله أعلم بما يوعون Allah knows best what they keep inside Allah knows best what they keep inside The word يوعون comes from the origin of the word إعاء as Ibn Ashur رحمه الله تعالى mentions الإعاء and he says وهو جعل الشيء وعاء والوعاء بكسر الواو الظرف لأنه يجمع فيه he says that the word i'a, wallahu a'lamu bima yu'un, yu'un is a verb, it comes from the origin of the word i'a, and he said the word i'a is to make something into a wi'a, and a wi'a is a container, it's a vessel. The word wi'a in Arabic language means it is a container. So when Allah says, wallahu a'lamu bima yu'un, Allah knows best that which they keep hidden, that which is contained within themselves, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to their hearts because the heart is like a vessel. And as we know, in a number of places in the Quran, but also in the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa number of hadith that speak about the importance of the heart as, it, as, it, as, it, as being a container, as being a vessel that if the heart is good, it is rectified, it is pure, then the body, everything else follows. And if the heart is something which is corrupted, it is something which is evil, then the rest of the body also follows. As the Prophet told us وسلم, in that famous hadith, Indeed, within the body, there is a morsel of flesh. If it is pure and rectified, the body is pure and rectified. And if it is corrupt and evil, the body is corrupt and evil. Indeed, it is the heart. And that is why Allah Azza wa offering the Quran speaks about the qulub speaks about the hearts of people. Allah says, don't they have hearts by which they can think and understand? Because the heart is the place of contemplation. It's the place of reflection. Yes, you may use your brain to compute things and to assess and, and analyze things, 
but it is the heart when it settles. It is the heart that contemplates, that understands, that believes. It is the heart that reflects, that is the heart that accepts or rejects. And that is why the Quran often refers to this. Will they not contemplate the Quran? Or are their hearts locked and sealed? It is the heart, therefore, that we are trying to penetrate. And that's why when Allah Azza wa Jal speaks in the Quran, He speaks about the قُلُوبُهُمْ قَاسِيَةً It is people's hearts that have become hardened. And that is because when a person, uh, when a person doesn't have iman to soften the heart, they don't have the dhikr of Allah, they don't have ibadah, they don't have worship, they don't have knowledge to soften the heart, the heart becomes hard. And when it becomes hard, it becomes like a rock or a stone or a mountain. In fact, as Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in the Quran, But sometimes it is harder than the solidity of a mountain or of a boulder or of a rock or a stone because even the stones and the mountains tremble from the fear of Allah Doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us in the Quran that the mountain, if the Quran was to be revealed to it, as Allah says, It would become, it would tremble and it would become humbled by the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Doesn't Allah tell us in the Quran that there are rocks that if they are struck, by Allah's permission, water comes out from them, meaning that there is moisture within them. There is softness within them. Yes, the exterior may seem hard, but inside it is soft. And that is how the believer should be. Even if you're someone who, in your exterior personality by nature, you're not a soft-hearted person in that sense. You're a person who has a, 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 a very, um, you know, shall we say, a very strong outer personality in the sense that you don't really cry, you don't see, see, see uh, show a great deal of emotion and so on. But in your heart, when it comes to Allah, when it comes to death, when it comes to Yom Al-Qiyamah, when it comes to love of Allah and His Messenger وسلم, when it comes to the Quran, when it comes to dhikr, when it comes to knowledge, your heart should be something which is soft. And that is what Allah Azza wa describes those people in the Quran, the believers, and He says, وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ there are those people those people who when Allah is remembered, their hearts tremble, their hearts are soft. And so the heart is this wi'a, it is the container, and it is the container that then commands the rest of the body. And that's why many of the great acts of worship that are extremely important are based in the heart. The heart is the one that contains iman. The heart is the one that contains ikhlas and sincerity. The heart is the one that contains taqwa and piety. The heart is the one that contains mahabba, love of Allah, and al-khawf, fear of Allah Azza wa Jal. The heart is the one that contains raja, hope in Allah Azza wa Jal, and tawakkul, uh, trust in Allah Azza wa Jal, reliance in Him, al-yaqeen, certainty. All of these amazing acts of worship are contained in the heart. And the Quran and the Sunnah often impress upon us the importance of these acts of worship. The importance of taqwa, the importance of ikhlas. As the Prophet told us, all of your deeds, all of your actions are judged by their intentions, by the ikhlas or the lack thereof that you have in the heart. And just as you have all of that on one side, which shows its importance and shows, uh, shows the importance of the heart and what it does, the function that it plays as this wi'ah, as this container, either of iman or a lack thereof, then likewise you have the opposite. Many of the greatest uh, sins and, and evil deeds are also actions of the heart. Kufr, disbelief, arrogance, nifaq, hypocrisy, showing off riyah. Many of these things, many of the major misdeeds or evil deeds or sins are also found in the heart. 
So the heart is something which is extremely important. And by the heart being rectified or not rectified, the body must follow. This concept that some people have that if you're, oh, my iman is in my heart, I am pure in my heart, I have taqwa in my heart, but they don't pray. They don't give zakah. They don't follow the sunnah. They don't do anything which is from the visible actions of Islam. But iman is in my heart. Yes, iman or some of it may be in your heart, but that is not full iman. That's not taqwa. It's not ikhlas. It's not uh, tawakkul. It's not yaqeen. Those things are present in your heart because if they were to be so, then your body must conform. It must follow onto those things because that is the power that the heart has over the rest of the body as the Prophet told us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But someone who may believe in the general basic concept of la ilaha illallah, but the iman is weak. They don't have a great deal of sincerity. They don't have a great deal of taqwa. They don't have a great deal of tawakkul and yaqeen. So then those are the people that you will see that don't pray. They're the ones that don't give zakah. They're the ones who are who are, who are lackadaisical or they, are, they fall short when it comes to fasting in Ramadan and performing other deeds and acts of worship, when it comes to fulfilling the rights of others, when it comes to fulfilling the hukuk and the rights of their parents and the rights of their spouses and their children and their neighbors and their guests and their fellow brothers and sisters. Those are the people that are weak in this because there is a weakness within their heart. But someone who truly has iman, believes in Allah, believes in the Akhirah, loves the Prophet وسلم, loves Allah جل, loves the book of Allah جل, the Quran, someone who has yaqeen that they will stand before Allah, tawakkul in Allah جل, love for Allah, hope in Allah جل, taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how can they not then worship Allah? How can they not then stand and pray five times a day, each and every single day, no matter what the circumstances. How can they not give zakah each and every single year? How can they not fulfill the rights of others? Because the love of Allah would translate into their actions, into their deeds, into their words and speech. It would be seen in their character. It would be seen in their dealings with others. That is why the Quran speaks about the, the heart as being a wi'ah, as being a vessel. So if the vessel is pure and good, the rest of the body is good. And if the vessel is corrupted and evil, then the rest of the body is evil. And that is why the Prophet told us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the hadith of the fitan, in the hadith of the trials, how when a trial comes, the trials will come one after the other in quick succession upon the believer, upon the Muslim. And if a person succumbs to those fitan, they succumb to those trials, they fall into them, <clears throat> then what does the Quran say? What did the Prophet say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He said, every time you succumb to one, a black dot is placed in the heart. And if you reject those trials, you turn to Allah Azza wa you make tawbah, you're a person of ibadah, you turn to Allah Azza wa and you remain steadfast upon that, then what does the heart have? The heart has a white dot that is placed within it. Until the Prophet told us وسلم, that there are only two types of hearts that will remain. A heart that is pure, full of light, it is good. Every time a fitna comes towards it, he knows how to ward it off. How is that done? It's done through Iman. It's done through studying the Quran. It's done through Ibadah and the Dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal. It's done through seeking knowledge and doing as many good deeds as you can. So that when the fitna comes to you, you remember what Allah said. You remember what the Prophet وسلم, instructed. You remember what is better for you. And so you turn to Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala protects what? The heart. And by the heart being protected, the limbs are protected. The eyes are protected, the, ear is, the ears are protected, the tongue is protected, the hands and feet and the different limbs of the body are protected. That's the first type of person. 
And then the Prophet said there will be a second type, and that's the one that succumbs to all of those different issues, those different fitan, those different trials. Not only do they succumb to it, but then they also, at the same time, they fall into them, they accept them. So their heart has all of those black dots, so it becomes like it is a dark heart, a heart that is full of evil, a heart that it is, it is empty, it is a vessel that is empty. And so therefore it has no taqwa. لا يعرف معروفا ولا ينكر منكرا As the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam It neither recognizes good that he may do it Nor does it recognize evil that he may stay away from it Doesn't know As unfortunately you see May Allah azza wa jal keep us all safe and strong upon his deen Unfortunately many of our brothers and sisters Don't know the meaning of salah Don't know the meaning of zakah Don't know the meaning of doing good deeds Don't know the meaning of ibadah don't know the meaning of the rights of others and good character. And so you see, unfortunately, many communities across the Muslim world and even in the non-Muslim world, it is many times Muslims that are at the source of problems, not, not for the non-Muslims, for the Muslim brothers and sisters. Forget everyone else, even for their own Muslim brothers and sisters. They're the ones dealing in drugs. They're the ones doing, uh, doing crime. They're the ones engaged in fraud. They're the ones engaged in dishonesty and so on. Those, those are the people. And that's because they didn't realize the beauty of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. They didn't realize the importance of the heart. And once they open up the doors of their heart to all of these fitan and trials, to the whisperings of shaitan, to the desires of the dunya, those desires and those whisperings came and they overtook the heart. And as it became overtaken, then they didn't realize anymore the difference or they, were, they found it very difficult to differentiate between what is good and what is evil. But the person who knows this, the person who remembers the Qur'an and the Sunnah, the person who concentrates, the person who pays attention, those are the people that Allah Azza wa loves. And those are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fortifies for them and strengthens for them their iman by making their heart a vessel of good, a vessel of purity, a vessel that only accepts that which is beloved to Allah, beloved to His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so this is something which Allah Azza wa mentions here. Wallahu a'lamu bima yu'oon. Allah knows everything that is contained within the hearts, whether it is good, whether it is evil. And these verses obviously are in the context of the people of evil. Allah knows those people who reject, those people who don't believe, those people who refuse to submit, those people who refuse to make sujood. Allah knows what is contained within their hearts. And that is why Allah sealed off the doors of guidance to them. Not only that, but then on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, when they come with their false excuses and their false justifications, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't accept it from them because Allah knows their reality, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah knows that which they contain. And Allah Azza knows that even if they were to return back to the dunya, they still wouldn't believe. If they were to return back to the dunya, they still wouldn't accept. They would turn away and they would keep away from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Ibn, Ibn Abbas Radiallahu anhum has said that the meaning of the word yu'un is yusirun. Yu'un meaning that which they keep hidden, right? which is the translation that we have also. That which they contain, meaning that which they conceal and that which they keep hidden. And that is one of the most uh, powerful aspects of the heart that it conceals things that otherwise it would be apparent. It conceals things which no one can know except. For a person themselves and except for their Lord and Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It conceals things and hides things. And that is why a person can be with other people, but their heart can be elsewhere. 
You can be in salah, but your heart is elsewhere. You can be with a group of people, but actually you hate them. A person can profess iman as the munafiqeen did, but in their heart they have kufr, they have hypocrisy. So that is one of the most powerful functions of the heart, that it can conceal things that no one else knows, not the closest people to you or the most beloved people to you. Not your parents, not your spouse, not your children, not your closest friends. No one knows what is happening in terms of these things. Wallahu a'lamu bima But Allah knows. And that is why the believer is always conscious of this fact. That even though no one else may know, Allah Azza wa Jal is alimul ghaybi wa shahada. Allah knows that which is hidden, that which is apparent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows each and every single thing and that which people conceal within their hearts. Allah knows that which the eyes deceive with and that which is concealed in the hearts. Because the eyes also have deceit when you wink at someone, when you look at someone in a certain way, only you and them know what that refers to. Or you look at someone in a certain way, even they don't realize what that look contains. Allah knows. Allah knows what your eyes conceal in the way that you look and what that type of look entails because it is a window to your heart. And Allah knows what you conceal within your heart as well. And similar to that is the statement of Mujahid, ta'ala, similar to the statement of Ibn Abbas, is the statement of Mujahid, ta'ala, he said, Bima yaktumun, that which they conceal. Allah Azza knows that which they conceal. <coughs> and Qatada ta'ala, made it even clearer and he said, fi sudurihim, that which they keep and keep hidden inside their chests, meaning that which is in their hearts. Abdurrahman ibn Zayd ibn Aslam, ta'ala, he said that a person is like a vessel. A person is like a vessel just as you keep your wealth in a pouch or in a wallet or in a purse, you keep it in, you keep it somewhere safe, then likewise a person also is like a vessel. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that which they conceal of their deeds. Allah knows that which they conceal of their evil deeds which are hidden and concealed within their hearts. And Allah knows of the good that people do and Allah knows of the mix that people also have of good and evil because sometimes people mix between the two as we know. He says the hearts are the vessels and the containers that keep all of this, keep all of this and contain all of this, whether it is of good and whether it is of evil. And Allah Azza wa knows this. Allah knows that which they keep hidden and that which they conceal, that which they profess and they make open and apparent. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything therefore that will take place in terms of these issues. Apologies, one second. So Allah Azza wa knows, and therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to fear him and tells us to be aware of that which will take place in terms of these issues. So Abdurrahman ibn Zid ibn Aslam goes into some detail concerning this, but the meaning is one and the same. And that is that the heart is extremely important. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, or in this surah, as you can see, after mentioning all of these issues that will take place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes to what is the crux of the issue. And the crux of the issue is in terms of a person's iman. That is what the distinction will be on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. A person's iman, a person's taqwa, a person's belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is what will make the distinction between two types of people or the two types of people on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So Allah Azza wa Jal, 
here tells us that Allah knows everything that is concealed within the hearts, everything that the hearts contain. And this is an important lesson, therefore, for me and for you to always be mindful of our hearts. And that is why the Sharia places a great deal of emphasis on softening the hearts and what we call a raqaiq, heart softeners. And the Salaf, the Imams of the Salaf, if you look at the books that they used to write, one of the topics that they would pay attention to, and obviously in those times is by a riwayah, uh, it, it is narrations of the Salaf, narrations of the companions, Quran, Hadith, obviously, but narrations of the companions, narrations of the Tabi'een, narrations of the early scholars, on this important topic of what makes the heart soft. So if you go to the early, early, early scholars of Islam, they used to have books on what we call a zuhd. And a zuhd is abstinence from the dunya and al-wara. And these types of topics which soften the heart. Imam Ahmed has a book on a zuhd. Waqi' ibn al-Jarrah has a book on a zuhd. And Imam Ahmed also has a book on al-wara. These topics they would focus on. Hundreds of narrations that they would gather. Verses of the Quran, hadith of the Prophet but the statements of the companions and the tabi'een and the, and the scholars of old when it came to softening the heart when it came to these issues of remembering the akhirah, of not becoming uh, engrossed in the dunya. And they would do this because these are the topics that soften the heart. And for centuries in Islam, and this is unfortunately one of the sciences that has become lost somewhat in our time, because either it's been manipulated, and so people go to an extreme, that extreme Sufi thing, which is where people go and they go into that spiritual thing, but they take it too far, or they completely ignore it. As unfortunately you see, Many amongst the people who attempt to follow the Quran and the Sunnah, often we forget and neglect this part. We become very zahiri, we're very literalist, but we don't really think about the heart and the aspects of the heart and how to soften the heart. And so those are two extremes. The Salaf used to have a very good balance. They would understand those narrations in the way that they should be without going to extremes and without thinking that it refers to some type of level of spirituality that then devoids people people from having or uh, to do certain acts of worship and they didn't used to go to extremes but at the same time they would pay attention to this aspect because it is what softens the heart and that's why there are certain scholars who focused on the different aspects of of these acts of worship also of the heart so for example ibn abid dunya and we took some of these books in a previous al-isnad course for those of you that followed my isnad program uh, we took some of these books his book on al-yaqeen his book on al-ikhlas Ibn Abi Dunya is someone who does this. Ibn Abi Dunya from the Salaf, he died around the two, year 280 something of the Hijrah. He's someone who would come to these to these topics and he would gather the narrations. Maybe 40 narrations, 60 narrations, 70 narrations, 100 narrations, just as on the topic of Yaqeen, the topic of Tawakkul, the topic of Ikhlas, the topic of Taqwa. He would bring each one and he would just gather narrations. And someone who did something similar but in his own way, not gathering so much narrations, but explaining what they mean, how they should affect the Muslim. And in some ways, therefore, it's easier for a student to read those types of books because they are books that don't just give you narrations because narrations require you to reflect and to understand and to deduce the meanings. But he actually did this for you is Ibn Rajab. Ibn Rajab focuses in many of his books on this aspect on aspects of the heart. Like his teacher Ibn Qayyim before him, but Ibn Qayyim goes to big books. He's like, books are massive. Ibn Rajab, his student, he takes a single topic like Ikhlas and he'll just discuss that rather than everything to do with the heart. And so in many ways it's shorter, it's easier and he makes profound connections and has profound uh, deductions that he makes, Rahim Allah Ta'ala. And these two books our scholars used to recommend 
Ibn Abi Dunya's books because that's where you find the statements of the Salaf and their narrations. But as I said, it's not always easy to, to be able to read and study that book by yourself. You need a teacher. And the books of Ibn Rajab, which alhamdulillah a number of them have also been translated into the English language. Look at his books on Yaqeen, look at his books on Ikhlas, look at his books on, on Taqwa, all of these books that he has, these heart-softening books. And you can see that what he did is he gave a methodology for the life of the believer when it comes to softening their heart. Because he didn't just pick one or two topics, he has multiple books on this, like Ibn Abi Dunya as well. Took each one and gathered narrations in it. <clears throat> Why? Because they wanted to set... <clears throat> They wanted to set a methodology for a Muslim, for the Muslim, so that they could go through all of these books. And these books are important. They're books that you can just read by yourself at home. If you have a teacher that goes through them, it's obviously better. But if not, the books of Ibn Rajab especially are books that you should read. And not just once, but multiple times, two times, three times. Or once, you know, every couple of years, you pick up a book and you just go over it again. Amazing, his books. Ibn Rajab, Rajab was given this ability by Allah Azza wa Jal to be able to make these types of connections and understandings. And one of the uh, the benefits of Ibn Rajab is he's a scholar of hadith, he's a scholar of the sunnah. So he never goes to extreme. And he always chooses, like Ibn Qayyim before him, these are people who are well versed in the Quran and in the sunnah. And they know the statements of the salaf and they understand what the early generations of Muslims were upon. So even in their statements and in their deductions, Usually speaking, you know, in the vast majority of cases, they're going to be in accordance to what is the correct understanding of Islam and the correct understanding of the Quran and the Sunnah. And so that's something which they used to focus on because of the importance of the heart. And Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said something very similar to what we have mentioned. Allah Azza wa and that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to those non-believers that are being addressed in these verses, in this context, that Allah Azza wa knows that which they conceal within their hearts from their rejection of the Book of Allah and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In verse number 24, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, فَبَشِّرْهُمْ بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ So then give them the good news of a painful torment. One of the things that you notice in the Quran is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a number of places in the Quran when he speaks about punishment Allah azza wa jal does it using this word of al-bishara 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 in the Arabic language means to give good news al-bishr and al-bashara comes from the root word of goodness of happiness of glad tidings so the uh, and as Allah Azza wa Jal mentions himself in the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Kana Allah Azza wa Jal says about the Prophet uh, that Allah Azza wa Jal created mankind as one ummah, meaning in the time of Adam, everyone was one upon, upon one religion, and then Allah Azza wa Jal sent to them messengers and prophets, mubashirina, givers of glad tidings, mundirin as warners. And Allah Azza wa Jal says concerning our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Inna arsalnaka shahidan wa mubashiran wa nadhira. Allah has sent to you, Allah has sent you as a warner. Uh, Allah Azza wa Jal, Inna Allah Azza wa Jal sent you as a, as a witness, as a giver of glad tidings and as a warner. So the word mubashir means, or bashara means good news, glad tidings. But look at how Allah Azza wa Jal in this verse, He uses the word of bashara which is glad tidings, and rejoicing and finding happiness, but he uses it in the context of punishment. فَبَشِّرْهُمْ Give them, the literal translation would be, give them the good news, the glad tidings 
alim of a painful torment. And that's when the translation, they change it slightly because it doesn't you know, quite compute in that sense. And so the translation that we have here, of Professor Abdul Harim, and again, unfortunately, I don't have access to the other translations today, but if you go back to them, Sahih International, Muhsin Khan, you could see if there are differences in the way that they translate this verse. But Professor Abdul Harim says, so give them the news of a painful torment. And he takes out the word good or the glad tidings part because obviously that's not necessarily what is being referred to here. However, Allah uses this word. And uh, Ibn Ashur, he says, look at how Allah uses the word bishara, which is of good news, musta'ar. The word musta'ar or i'ara in the Arabic language is to use something and place it in a different place. Something is used for one context, but you take it and place it in a different context. That is called isti'ara or i'ara in the Arabic language. It's one of the functions of Arabic eloquence because he makes you sit up and think straight away. Allah just said there's good news. What's the good news? There's a painful torment. How does that make sense? How can you have good news of punishment and pain and anger and torment? How does that work? And so Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, Ibn Ashur Ta'ala says that Allah Azza wa Jal is saying that this is the, uh, that Allah Azza wa Jal is using the bishara lil wa'id, but he's doing it as a warning. And he says that this is bitariqat uh, tahakkum Allah Azza wa Jal is using this because these people, because the, the asr of the word bishara, it should be something which is beneficial, something which is good, something which people can rejoice about. But Allah Azza wa Jal uses it here in the context of pain and torment and punishment. And that is because this is what those people used to want. Right? These people, those people who were non-believers used to say, we'll be happy in, in the fire. We don't mind. We don't believe. We'll all be together. It'll be okay. We'll be with our friends. We'll be with our family. We'll be with our wealth. Or even if we go in, Allah will honor us even more. They used to uh, they used to frame the punishment of Allah as if it would be something good for them, as if it would be a joyous occasion for them. And know that this was one of their ways of rejecting through their arrogance and through their disbelief of rejecting Tawheed, rejecting the, uh, the the resurrection, rejecting the prophets that Allah sent to them, rejecting revelation. So they would do it in that context. But the way that they would frame it is that almost is as if something is, is, is as if it is something that they're anticipating, something that they're look for, looking forward to, something that they want and that they covet. So Allah uses that same frame of mind that they would have, that mindset that they would use, and Allah uses it upon them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, now enjoy those things that you are asking for. Enjoy those things because that's what Bishara is normally for, to enjoy. You give Bishara, you give good news of someone's marriage, you give good news of a child that someone has, you give good news of someone passing their exams or getting a raise in their job, wherever it may be. Those are good things, they're good news. Someone makes Hajj, someone makes uh, memorizes the Quran, someone performs an amazing act of worship. That's good news. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to those people that just as the mu'mineen, the mu'mineen, the believers, rejoice in those aspects of iman and reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you used to mock that and you used to ridicule that and you used to pretend that you would re you would enjoy and you would rejoice in those things that Allah Azza wa warned you of, of his punishment and of his wrath and his anger. So today enjoy this. So give them now that good news. Tell them to enjoy. If that is what they will do, tell them to enjoy that punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know that that won't be the reality. For there will be no punish there will be no enjoyment of the punishment of Allah. There will be no enjoyment of the fire. There will be no enjoyment 
of the torments that Allah Azza wa Jal has placed therein. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us all safe. And so Allah Azza wa Jal says to these people that they should rejoice in those things because that is the way that they are. And this is look at how Allah Azza wa Jal in the Quran at times uses the eloquence of the Arabic language to further humiliate those people who turn away from him, who reject his message of Tawheed subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza uses the eloquence of the Arabic language and Allah Azza uses the different functions of the way that the Arabs used to speak in their poetry and in their literature because they would make this isti'ara. They would use words that should be used in a context and they would use it in the opposite context. That's something which is common in the Arabic language. <coughs> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this here in this particular context for these people who rejected the Akhirah, the rejected resurrection. And this is also the tafsir of Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala. He says that Allah Azza wa in this verse for Bashirhum bi'adhabin alim, give them the good news of the painful torment. Allah Azza wa says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding the Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala says that Allah Azza wa is commanding the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to give these tidings to the disbelievers those who rejected the verses and the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they will have from Allah azza wa jal as their recompense for this, they will have the painful torment, the painful punishment that Allah azza wa jal has prepared for them. And then we come to the last and final verse of this surah, verse 25, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ أَجْرٌ غَيْرُ مَمْنُونَ Except those who believe and do good deeds, they will have a never-ending reward. A never-ending reward. And this is a verse that we found also in the in the in Surah Teen. So it's a verse that we've covered in some detail, and you can refer back, inshallah ta'ala, to that particular lesson in the tafsir of Surah Teen, because Allah Azza wa Jal uses this exact verse there, those last verses of Surah Al-Teen you can refer to. And as we said at the time, uh, and just as a brief recap, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he says memnoon, the word memnoon means according to Ibn Abbas meaning that it will not be deficient, the reward that they're given. Mujahid said that there will be no accounting of it, meaning that it will not be limited, but it will be as Professor Abdul Harim mentions in his translation, never ending, that there will be no limit to it. And Al-Hassan al-Basri said, They will be given their full reward and there will be no man done over them. And as we said before, the word man is to hold a favor over someone. As Allah Azza wa Jal mentions elsewhere in the Quran, Al-Man is to hold a favor over others. And Allah says in the Quran, Don't diminish or make void your sadaqah, your charity by al-man and al-adha. Al-adha is to harm someone in the t- in terms of giving them that charity. You harm them in the charity that you give to them. Al-man is to hold it over them, to remind it over them constantly. Don't you remember I gave you money? Don't you remember the good that I did for you? It's like four years down the line, ten years after the fact, and you're still reminding them of that one favor, that one act of charity that you did a decade ago. Don't you remember? Don't you? You never said thank you. You never appreciated. You were never grateful. That's called al-man. And that is something which diminishes or it nullifies the acts of good that you do. Because you do it for the sake of Allah first and foremost. And yes, that person should appreciate, they should thank you, make dua for you, they should re- but you didn't do it for that. 
that's something which they should do. That's their responsibility. But if they don't, or if they refuse, you did it for the sake of Allah. So you don't hold it over them every single time. And this is something which often, especially for our youngsters, our children, is something which often they do. And it's something which should then, therefore, remind them and is still within them that if they do a favor for one of their siblings or they do a favor for someone else they don't hold it over them for the rest of their the day and the week and the month that they keep reminding don't you remember two weeks ago i gave you that sweet or i gave you my toy or i let you do that and this is something which you often find in people it is not a befitting characteristic of the believer and clearly therefore it is not something which is attributed to the reward that allah gives to the mu'mineen and that's why Allah Azza wa Jal, as Al-Hasan al-Basr Ta'ala says, that there will be no men in the, in, in the Akhir on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Allah Azza wa Jal won't keep reminding you of the many favors that he bestowed upon you, just as in the dunya. Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't keep reminding us of the many favors that he bestows upon us. Allah Azza wa Jal tells us in the Quran, you should remember, I should remember, we should remember, we should be conscious of this. But Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't hold it over us every time you're given a blessing. Or oh, don't you remember what Allah gave you? Don't you remember that if you want something that Allah already gave it to you, Allah, if you, Allah doesn't, doesn't hold us or doesn't act in this way with us. So when Allah gives you a blessing, doesn't remind you of a different blessing. Or if Allah tries you with something, doesn't remind you of other blessings that he gives to you. You should remember. But it's not something which is done in that way that you can only receive something if you give something back or in that way. That is not how Allah deals with his with his servants and with his creation subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Azza wa Jal here says, Imam al-Tabari says those, meaning those who repent and they are uh, truthful and they accept the tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal and the prophethood of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they believe in the resurrection. So Imam al-Tabari rahmat ta'ala is still making the exception. He's making, he's saying the illa ladina it is an exception to those people who came before. Meaning that Allah Azza wa Jal in this whole, uh, in this whole context, in this whole surah, is speaking about the disbelievers in these past few verses, the final portion of these verses, this passage, is speaking about the non-believers. So Allah Azza wa Jal is making the exception. What is the exception to those people who will have that painful torment that Allah Azza wa Jal said they will have the news of the painful torment? The exception is those people who, who turn to Allah Azza wa Jal by accepting tawheed, Meaning they make tawbah by accepting tawheed, believing in the Prophet, believing in the Akhirah, and so on. And they they do good deeds. Imam Tabari says, meaning that they fulfill their obligations, they stay away from the prohibitions of Allah Azza wa Jal. Then for them they will have ajrun ghayru mamnoon. They will have a reward that is neither limited nor is it deficient in any way. And Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, there is some. Um, some discussion amongst the scholars of tafsir as to the illa here, the exception, because the word illa means except those. Is this istithna'un munqati' or is it something which is which is connected, meaning that is it something which is connected to the previous verse or is it something which is completely separate? If it's connected to the previous verse, as Imam al-Tabari said, Allah is speaking about the disbelievers and then Allah makes an exception from them, meaning that all of the disbelievers will be punished from, by Allah, except for who? Those who accept iman and they believe in Allah, they do righteous deeds. So it's an exception in terms of that. Or it's munqatr, it's got nothing to do with that. Allah is referring to all of the believers. Whether they are believers who accepted iman after having disbelief, or it's the believers that are, that are born upon iman and they die upon iman. So it is munqatr in that sense, meaning that all of the believers lacking. As for those, so rather than accept those, 
It is as if Allah is bringing, beginning a new topic. As for those who believe and do righteous deeds, then they will have the ajrun ghayru memnoon, they will have the never-ending reward. And it seems that Nuqayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, said something similar that the word illa here isn't really an exception. But Allah is just mentioning the two types of people, reaffirming or re-emphasizing that same principle that we already mentioned previously in this surah, when Allah spoke about the record of deeds going to some people in their right hand, record of deeds going to some people behind their back. Two groups of people. Likewise, Allah in these two final words is speaking about those two groups of people. A group, they will have the punishment of Allah. A group, they will have the reward of Allah And that's why he says that Allah here, rather than it being an istithna, an exception, Allah actually is using the exception the word of the exception but the meaning is not an exception it is to speak about the two opposites the two types of people that we will have and he says it is similar to the verse in surah al-infitar which inshallah ta'ala we will come to inshallah probably now uh, next year or in, in our next academic year inshallah ta'ala of qp it's similar to those verses in surah al-infitar the righteous and the pious will be in reward and the evil and the disbelievers will be in the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore it's not really an exception, he says, but rather it is a exception that is used to denote the two opposites. There are two types of people. So it's as if Allah's, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just giving to us those two groups of people. And the teacher of our teacher, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqeet, and we'll conclude with his, uh, with his words. He says that the word al-man, is to, in the Arabic language, means to cut something off and to make it deficient. So when Allah says, it is to cut something off and to make it deficient. And that's why the word men, to hold something over, it is like you're cutting off that favor that you did for them. Yes, you did them something good, but you've cut off that good now by constantly holding over them. And you have made it deficient also because that person perhaps will just go turn around and think, you know, it would have been better if I didn't take anything from that person, if I hadn't accepted their favor or their help, because this person never lets me forget that they did good towards me. And so they not only make it deficient, but they cut off the good that they do as well. And Allah Azza wa he says, Shaykh Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, and some scholars said that the word ghayru memnoon means that Allah Azza wa will not hold it over them, so that therefore the, the, the blessing of Jannah will be complete meaning that they never feel deficient because when people hold it over you, you always feel a level of deficiency, a level of need, a level of poverty towards that person or need from them or help that you will require something from them. So uh, both of those meanings are correct. Allah and Allah knows best. That it means that the that Allah doesn't want to hold the favors over people on Yom Al-Qiyamah in Jannah for the believers. Allah will make the reward of Jannah never ending. Allah will not make it deficient. And as Ibn Kathir ta'ala said, that it will never be never ending as well. And Ibn uh, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti ta'ala says, and all of these meanings are correct. All of these are correct and Allah knows best because all of them have correct meanings and they don't contradict one. One does not contradict the other. And so therefore, uh, it is all correct. So the reward of the people of Jannah will never end. It will never be deficient. And nor will it be done in such a way that people will be constantly reminded or will be held over them in a way 
that will therefore also make them feel deficient. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And we praise Allah Azza wa Jalla with that we come to the end of the tafsir of this amazing surah, Surah Al-Shiqaq, which is a surah as you can see that reminds us of the akhirah, reminds us of the judgment and the standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reminds us to purify our hearts and to rectify them so that when we come to that standing before Allah Azza wa Jalla, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will favor us. So inshallah, as you know, I think we only have a couple of weeks left now before Ramadan. Uh, and so most likely, uh, it's not confirmed, but most likely the last couple of lessons will be uh, specials that we'll do on one topic or another yet to be decided. And that's just simply because we don't have obviously now enough time to start the tafsir of the next surah uh, within the short space of time that we have left uh, in this academic year. But may Allah Azza wa Jalla bless you and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep you all safe. May Allah Azza wa Jalla allow us to benefit from the Quran, to continue its tafsir and its study. And may Allah Azza wa Jalla allow us to benefit from the Quran because as you know, the program of QP isn't necessarily about the finishing, but it's about the journey and the process and coming closer to Allah Azza wa Jalla, understanding the Quran, the way that the early generations used to understand and the way that they used to enjoy delving into the depths of the meanings of the Qur'an so that it will bring them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah Azza wa Jalla allow us to follow that methodology and keep us firm upon it. May Allah Azza wa Jalla bless you all and your families and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless everyone who's part of QP and all of the help that they give. Uh, and may Allah Azza wa Jalla allow us to continue upon this journey together. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiya Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.